Okay. Hello, bonjour and guten tag. This is Barbara Ulmer with Transitions, Triple Language Master. Today's guest is super amazing. It's Jacqueline Franchetti. She's a female warrior. Her story has to be heard, and I'm so happy and excited that she can make the time today to be with us. Thank you. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you for highlighting this, especially on Child Abuse Prevention Month. And, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to tell my story. Yes, absolutely. Well, Jacqueline, the, the stage is yours. Please <laughs> tell us everything, your background, what happened, what you've done, what we need to know, what we need to learn, what we need to get better at, most of all. Well, my life changed really dramatically um, a little over five and a half years ago. And I had an amazing little girl. Um, her name is Kira. She loved Elmo and Mickey Mouse. On the slide, she wanted to go down, usually head first. <laughs> and on the swings, she wanted to go as high as possible. Higher, mama, higher, mama, she'd always say. And a stranger was just someone she hadn't met yet. And, you know, she was one of those beautiful little toddlers who you can just see who walks into a pizza or a, a pizza store or a restaurant. And you just see people start smiling at her because she just has that energy about her. And um, one of my favorite memories of Kira, just before she was, she was killed, uh, she had just learned how to roll down a hill. And I have a hill in my backyard and she rolled down, she took about two, two rolls down the hill and she got up and she said, I did it, mama, I did it. And she was so proud of her latest accomplishment. And that, that was quintessential Kira. She just, she was so independent. She was so excited when she did things. And it, it was, it, it, you were seeing the world through new eyes by just by being with her. And it was so amazing. And, and I miss her every single second of every day. When Kira was only 28 months old, she was shot not once, but twice in the back while she slept by her abusive father who then poured gasoline all over his home. He set it on fire and he killed himself in a murder-suicide. And Kira was only 28 months old. She was two years old. And her murder was entirely preventable. She should never have been with her abusive father that day. And I, like you and many of your, your wonderful audience members, you know, we, especially women, we've heard those messages to leave, to get out of abusive relationships. And I did. I got out to protect Kira. And I left, in fact, when I was pregnant with her. And what we're not told is what happens once you leave. And, and you have a child with your abuser because you know there's people think once you leave, you get out, you're safe. That's not the case when you have a child. And we're not well told about the second chapter of what happens. And once you have a child with your abuser, you end up in usually family court, divorce or family court. And our divorce family court system is badly broken. It is in the dark ages. It's like going through the twilight zone. And I, like many people who are probably listening today, you know, thought that the first time that I walked into the courthouse, that 
their job, their mission would be to protect Kira. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. Our judicial system, our family court system right now is set up to protect the abuser and not the child. And that needs to change. And you know, I want people to understand what happens when you go through family court because you, you know, there's a lot of misinformation that's out there. You know, I walked into the courthouse, I'm from Long Island, so I was walked into Nassau County Family Court. And um, you know, the first time that I walked in, I thought the judge, as soon as she hears any of the things that are going on, and I came forward and we told the judge that I was being stalked, that I was being harassed. I mean, he would come to my house and start screaming at me to the point where I was physically shaking because I was so scared. Um, he didn't know how to care for Kira and he had severe anger and rage issues and he was suicidal. He had told me repeatedly he was suicidal. And instead of the judge doing anything to protect Kira with these factors, which are very high risk factors, by the way, she, the judge, Danielle Peterson, instead of protecting Kira, putting any type of safeguards in, in place for Kira, yelled at me to grow up. That was her response. We had Child Protective Services involved in Kira's case. They noted that he had extreme anger and rage issues, that he had an inability to care for Kira at a young age. He could not care for her. He did not know what he was doing. And they labeled this low risk because according to them, they didn't know if he had hit her yet, even though there were all these other factors to look at. We had a forensic evaluator and these are, oof, gosh, these are like the wild, wild west out there. You know, these are people who should not unfortunately be doing the work that they're doing. There are a handful of good ones, but unfortunately far too many bad ones. And these are mental, people with mental health degrees who are tasked by the court to evaluate both parties. Now on the surface, that sounds reasonable. That sounds like a good thing. Unfortunately, there are far too many instances where you know, psychologists are not skilled and trained in family violence and child abuse. And abuse is not a psychological disorder. If you look at what's called the DSM-5, which is the Bible for mental health, you won't see abuse in there. This is not something they're skilled or, or trained on. And they're making life and death decisions without the proper skill set, And more so than that, they're doing things that are absolutely horrific when it comes to custody cases. And let me give you just a few examples. You know, there's, and I'll give you some New York state ones because these are ones that are in the public domain that I can talk about. There was a six-year-old little boy from Long Island who was sexually assaulted and the forensic evaluator interviewed him on the bed where the assault took place. Like, who does that? There was another little girl in upstate New York, another sexual abuse victim. And the evaluator had the little girl be interviewed on her father's lap, on her assailant's lap <coughs> during the interview. And worse, she gave the little girl a toy. She gave the little girl a toy, <coughs> excuse me, for each answer that she gave correctly. Like, who does that? <coughs> Are you okay? Yeah, I'm sorry. I just got um, 
<gasps> Allergies are kicking in. Yes, I know it's the season. But um, so excuse me. Um, but this is what's happening, unfortunately, too many times in the forensic evaluation space. And so, you know, we need to change this. And in Kira's case, you know, the evaluator had documented evidence of the abuse. Eyewitness accounts of the abuse. And if he's still in his report recommended joint custody, you, you don't recommend joint custody in a situation that's abusive. There was never even the consideration of a protective order, an emergency protective order, supervised visitation, nothing. When I was stalked by him, Kira and I were stalked by her father. And we had evidence of this. And when we went to the court with that, they said, basically, if he does it again, well, what abuser is going to do it again? You know, and, and he admitted to doing it. It's ridiculous what abusers, like I said, the court system right now is set up to protect abusers and not the child. And Kira even had an attorney for the child who's supposed to protect her best interests. He was appointed on day one. And, you know, even days before Kira's murder, I, again, I repeatedly begged him to get more involved. He refused, even five days before Kira's murder. And just days before her murder, we were at another court hearing. And, you know, I again came forward with more things being wrong. I was scared for Kira. And the judge said, quote, unquote, this is what Danielle Peterson said to me. She said, quote, unquote, this is not a life or death situation. You know, it's, this is what's happening. This is why we have an extremely high homicide rate for children in our family court system. You know, in New York State, Kira's just one of 20 children in the last five years who's been murdered by their own mother or father while going through a separation, divorce, or, or custody case. That's an astronomical number. That's ridiculous. That's shocking beyond compare. And, and we can do so much to protect children. And one of the things that you know I'm working on is creating laws to better protect our children. And right now, and you know, we've we've had wonderful successes with laws. And I've had eight bills introduced, two have passed, both on the state and the federal level. And we're teeing up more to pass this year. And we wanna see these bills go to all 50 states. And one of our flagship bills is Kira's Law, which is named after my daughter. And Kira's Law is common sense legislation. And one of the great things about the laws and the bills that I work on, they've garnered significant bipartisan support. This is not a partisan issue. This is a child safety issue. And people recognize that. And it's amazing to see how many people are becoming behind these bills. Right now, Kira's Law in New York, just to give you a sense of the New York State Assembly, it has over 50 co-sponsors. That's a huge number to have That's on a bill. That's amazing indeed. Wow. And, you know, every time that I talk to legislators, you know, I was the first one to bring this to their attention of how bad things are. And I remember, you know, five years ago when I started talking about this issue to legislators, there was a massive amount of education that I needed to do. And now, because of my advocacy, you know, we just introduced a bill about two weeks ago. And when the bill got introduced, I got phone calls from 
questions from the assembly members, the senators, and from the media saying, hey, what are your thoughts on this bill? And I started giggling a little bit and I said, well, I think it's great because I helped draft it. <laughs> but, We're but, unaware that you are the person who helped draft it. Draft it. That's I'm like, well, it was my idea and, yeah. um, and I helped draft the bill. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm behind it. But you know, this is where we, yeah, that's where, we, where we've gotten in New York State because of my yeah. advocacy. And, and that's one of the reasons why Kira's Law has so much, so, many, um, so much support behind it. And Kira's Law, like I said, does three things. Number one, it's gonna make child safety the top priority. So there's something called best interest factors. And Kira's Law would make sure that the child's safety comes first. Again, it's common sense. The second thing that it does is it mandates judge training. Our judges do not have enough training when it comes to family violence or to child abuse. They really need more. And this is going to make sure that it's done in a constructive way and it will be impactful. And we've actually carved out the topics that need to do it and how this training will be done. So I'm very excited about that. And then finally, what Kira's Law does is it stops common practices that allow abusers to gain custody. And let me give you just one example. Yes. In my case, um, they said, they constantly said to me, well, just because he abused you, just because Kira's father abused you doesn't mean he'll abuse the child. Well, that's ridiculous. There's a huge correlation between abusing your partner and abusing the child. You know, show me an abuser who says, hey, you know, you just turned 18. Come on over here. Now I'll beat you. That doesn't happen. So, you know, we need to take into account the full picture of family violence when assessing child custody. And this is why we have such awful rates where it comes to abusers gaining custody in family court today. You know, there's one organization that puts it at a 70% failure rate across the board. That means we're getting it wrong more often than we're getting it right. And, you know, Those if you look- are scary numbers. Wow. It, it's very, very scary numbers. There's over half a million children today at a minimum who are terrified of the home that they live in. And they've been court ordered to be there. And I work um, with Kira's Champions, the organization that I run in memory of my daughter, we have a student advocacy program. And by the way, any of your, your listeners who would like to be part of this, um, reach out to me, we would love to have you join us. And we have everyone from junior high school to high school and college students who are involved in this program and we teach them how to become advocates. And half, half of my student advocates have been abused by the court system. And their stories are atrocious of what goes on. And you know, I've heard it from them, not just from the parents' eyes, but from the child's eyes and how stressful it is. I have one child right now who is so anxiety ridden and she, it's hard for her to sleep. She can't concentrate at school. She is suffering in so many ways because she knows that in just a short period of time, she's gonna be court ordered to be with her dad who's been abusive to her. And he is not, you know, there are some abusers that are, you know, that are set off by alcohol or drugs. He's not. So you don't know when the next beating is going to come. And it is terrifying for her and she has a younger brother too. So, you know, these are, these are the types of things that are happening so often and we can do so much with this. 
and we can protect our children. You know, we have Kira's law, we have five other bills. One goes to protecting children and supervised visitation, which is an incredible bill to immediately set up parameters for protection if a child's been abused or, or is being abused. And then we have a series of other bills that deal with forensic evaluators. And because of my advocacy, the New York State governor actually formed what's called a blue ribbon commission. And work started on that around almost around this time last year where they put together a series of researchers and experts, family law practitioners, former judges, DV advocates, um, and a whole host of other people. And I was one of two parents who was selected to be on this 20 person panel. I was truly honored to be part of this. Yes. And our results came out in January of this year, we issued a report on this and it really showed how bad our forensic evaluations are right now. In fact, because of this, the majority of commission members actually called for a complete end to this, to stop the practice of forensic evaluators altogether because we're seeing so many problems like the ones that I just mentioned where the little boy was interviewed on the bed of the assault. The little girl's forced to sit on her sexual assailant's lap during the interview. And I can tell you countless more of these horrible situations where the forensic evaluators are getting it, are just doing things that are mind boggling. There's one evaluator in New York who is known as the Larry Nasser of evaluators. He sexually harasses all of the moms who come through his office. And he literally will ask them questions about their sexual histories, and probe into their, at any of those elements. And it is awful what he has done. He's even said that the women were aroused during his interviews and, and portrayed that to the court. It, it is absolutely horrible what is happening in, these, in this place. So there's a lot that we need to look at from family court. And there's so much that needs to be done better to protect children. I mean, my every day, I get countless PMs, DMs, texts, phone calls, messages, pleas for help from parents, from children. And I, I can't even get back, I don't have enough time to even get back to all of these people, which breaks my heart. But you know, there's such a huge problem out there. And what, that's one of the reasons why I focus on advocacy because that's where I can have the greatest amount of impact with this. You know, what happened to Kira can happen to a child you know and love unless changes are made. And it's very interesting. I was at a lunch last week and there were 10 women there. And it wasn't about family court. It was a group that got put together. And I started talking about my work at Kira's Champions. Mm -hmm. And immediately at the table, three other women spoke up about having similar stories, meaning that their children were placed into harm's way because of our family court system. And one other emailed me after, that's five women, half of the women at, the, at that table. And again, this wasn't a, you know, this wasn't a domestic violence group. This wasn't a child abuse awareness group or anything like that. 10 business women, half of us were impacted by this. It just shows how bad our situations are at family court and how much needs to change to protect children. We're it, it, like I said, we're in the twilight zone 
and it's in the dark ages and we need to change it. Yes, absolutely. And we see Kira here behind you full of light. Like she, she looks so adorable. She's so cute. My God, like she, she's like a ray of sunshine, you know, like whenever I see her on all your pages, she's always happy. She's like always smiling. She's like such a positive little girl. Yeah, she, she was an amazing, amazing little girl who deserved to live. Yes. And it is hard to even say it was. I know it was, but it's almost unbearable from the outside, you know, looking in. Yeah. Yeah, she deserved more. She deserved to be protected. And, and, and you, you were so brave because before she was born, you already took the initiative and left. You know, because you knew right then and there um, to keep her safe, you need to go before she even comes into this world, which is really impressive and an amazing assessment on your behalf. You had the certainty and the strength to just say this, this is not going to work. And it was a hard decision. I'll, you know, I'll be very honest about it. I had a lot of people who almost were pressuring me to get back with him. And I said, no that this was not, it was not a safe scenario for me. And he even told me not to put her name on the birth certificate. The father said so. Oh yeah, I can show you in writing. He sent it to me an email. And, you know, and, and so I was fully prepared to do this on my own. Yeah. And protect her, keep her safe. Yeah. And, you know, Unfortunately, like many others, they just weaponize the system to hurt you. It was never about Kira. It was about hurting me and how he could do it most effectively. And like I said, our court system right now is set up to protect the abuser and not the child. And that has to change. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, all the steps that you have done amazing and I, I love your program of advocacy so you can really like we need to build like an army you know like an army of, of, of positivity to get really trained and come together because if you can't even answer the calls clearly we need more people we do we do and anyone who wants to reach out to me and join you know team up with us we would love it um, yeah and it's it's great because, you know, I talked to a group just yesterday about advocacy. Yes. People think that, you know, you have to be out in the public with a megaphone and, and you don't. There's many ways to advocate, whether yes. you want to be in the limelight or, you know, and for some people, that's not where they wanted to be. Or and sometimes if you're in a current court case, you can't be because there's ramifications for you coming forward. Yeah. And speaking out. So, you know, there's many ways to get involved. Reach out to me and I'm, I'm happy to talk through things that people can do. And, you know, one of the things that we've done this month is we have an incredible corporate partnership with an organization called OsteoStrong. Mm -hmm. And OsteoStrong, by the way, anyone right now, Google OsteoStrong, find the nearest location and go there. It is the coolest place that I, I, it's, it is, it's amazing what they do. So similar to the way that we are changing the paradigm around child custody cases to protect children, they're changing the paradigm around health. Amazing. And what they do, it's so cool. Mm -hmm. um, they actually strengthen your skeletal system. 
Uh-huh. In effect, they re- they're, they're reversing aging in your body. Hmm. It's the easiest thing. It is t- a 10 minute workout. So you can come in from work, you can be in gym clothes, but you don't need to be. You can just walk in right off the street and do this 10 minute workout once a week and it strengthens your entire skeletal system. It's amazing. And, um, and I, cause you know, especially from all of us from the pandemic, I have what I call the zoom posture. Yes, Cause you're always like this. And you forget this right? right? Yes, exactly. It course corrects that. Mm-hmm. And for so it, it strengthens your bones. And especially for women, that is something that is so important because we start to deplete it. Yes. And they have over 110 locations all across the nation and they're international. And they've backed us because they've seen the incredible results that we've gotten in such a short period of time to help us out. And it's, you know, and it's amazing, by the way, also, because I, now I'm on this, I want to talk about it for a few more minutes. Um, but in, in addition to that, OsteoStrong also has these really cool modalities. So as a victim of domestic violence, you know, I have horrible insomnia and many of us do from the trauma. And there's something called the biocharger that they have. And it looks like this test tube contraption when you first see it. And yes. you can actually dial it in okay. where they will, you know, they will make it so that it charges for, you know, that it, it tackles certain things. So it can tackle inflammation. It can ta- tackle sleep disorders, different things that you can do, which is really cool. And the first time that I did it, I slept through the night without a problem. That's really amazing. So we all definitely, we have to write down all your information for the advocacy and this company that is so gloriously helping yeah. you and helping. So for advocacy, yeah. go to Peter's Champions and for um, your health and wellness, go to Osteos. Yes, absolutely. And they do all of these other great modalities um, that really help with different elements. And you go in and you do a full health assessment and they'll tell you which ones are going to be best for you. And if you go in, mention Kira's champions, tell them that you heard about this from Barbara's podcast yes. and, um, and make sure you mention Kira's champions and, you know, we would love it. And we're forever thankful for their support. I met their, their, their president. He actually heard me speak just a few months after Kira's murder wow. and we connected over the summer. And I started talking to him about how ways in which we could team up. And for Child Abuse Prevention Month and for Kira's yes. Birthday Month, we yes. have incredible partnership going on. So everyone needs to go out to OsteoStrong, tell them Kira's champions, Kira's mom sent you. And, and then I want to hear how you like the biocharger. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yes. Really cool. And then I want to see how you do with your... Uh, with yes, your, with uh, your poster. Like everybody is made aware now, you know, when we talk about it. Yes, absolutely. Wow. And you, you said you already had two laws that already came into fruition. Can you tell us a bit more about it in detail? Because that's a huge victory. Those are two big victories on your journey already. You know, and let let me talk about the federal bill. This was a bill that really does some of the major things that Cura's law now is doing on the state level. The thing about federal when you look at child safety and with family court, they don't have jurisdiction over our state courts. Mm-hmm. So what we did was we put together what's called a resolution. Mm-hmm. And the resolution sends a huge message to the states of, hey, there's a problem, you need to go fix it. Mm-hmm. And this was the beginning of, of the child safety first legislation. 
And this was really designed to have Congress send a major message to the states that things are wrong. We're seeing it on a national level and make some changes. Mm-hmm. So what it's called, you know, this was actually headed by a Republican congressional member called Con- Congressman Peter Sessions, Pete Sessions, mm-hmm. is from Texas, and Carolyn Maloney from New York, which is my home state. Mm-hmm. They were the two that teamed up for this. And it does a number of things. First, like Kira's law, it also asks for child safety to be the top priority in custody cases. It also calls for across the board judicial training. We're seeing that, you know, our, everyone from the judges to the attorneys for the children, forensic evaluators, everyone who's involved in the court system is poorly trained and adequately trained. It calls for more hearings on this to keep the pulse and the light on this topic. And, you know, it asks courts, it asks the states to review their practices and make changes to this. And that's, you know, that really helped me in my efforts in New York to bring about the legislative changes that we're seeing happen to date right now. So it it really was a monumental legislation. It was the first time in 30 years that Congress has looked at at, um, any type of legislation dealing with family court. That's huge. That really is huge. Congratulations on this. I mean, all the pain you went through, but you did not give up. On the contrary, you turned right around and kept fighting and keep fighting. And it is such an impressive work that you are doing. And I mean, such an important cause. And I am so impressed and I'm so honored to have you here because like I said, initially, everybody needs to hear your story and then get involved, you know, not just listen, but also get involved, you know. You say there are so many ways, so everybody should be able to find a way, you know, to help. Yeah, yeah, reach out to me and um, and let's start making, let's start making some big differences in in all 50 states because the bills we have assembled need to go. And by the way, we're working on some more, so this number will be higher probably by the time that we talk again next. So that's amazing. Yes, absolutely. And I, of course, will stay in touch with you regularly to update my audience also so that we can keep going, it. you know, because this is a united goal, an important goal. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. For time. Thank you for the opportunity. And thank you so much for having me today. Thank you so much for being my guest, Jacqueline. Um, you are really you are a huge inspiration for, for women and children and globally because you are not staying quiet on the contrary you stand up and you do everything you can and you keep going and I am totally inspired by you and I will join you in your cause and help however I can thank you so much thank you for your support my pleasure thank you for being here goodbye bye now